This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the governor and the education commissioner will be asking the State Board of Education to adopt a new policy to whitewash American history by forbidding the teaching of critical race theory. Have we done so well on the basics that we go off into these political and ideological tangents in our schools? They're not supposed to be indoctrinating kids with faddish ideologies. Ron DeSantis wants the schools to stick with a whitewashed version of history and penalize teachers in schools that don't toe the line. The number of new COVID cases is way down, but the health department reported 81 new fatalities Tuesday. The COVID crisis has decimated Florida's tourism industry, but Dana Young at Visit Florida says they're going to turn that around, thanks in part to a record-setting budget this year. Our total budget is $80 million, which is the highest we have ever had. And frankly, this is just great news and great timing uh, as we remain 100% focused on tourism's recovery. Visit Florida will try to lure more international travelers by hosting marketing trips to Mexico and the United Kingdom over the summer. The COVID crisis is not done yet, but Florida Tax Watch says we've already learned a lot, like the toll on our mental health. You know, there's a lot of psychological trauma from social isolation that has given way to growing rates of serious behavioral health issues. And uh, currently, Florida's uh, the eighth highest among our 50 states for the average rate of anxiety and depression. And hell, they live here in the Sunshine State. There shouldn't be a reason to be depressed, you know. Today on the Sunrise Interview, we talk with Tax Watch President Dominic Calabro about long-term changes in health care beyond the pandemic. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man busted for dropping a deuce outside a synagogue in Broward County. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, May 26th. This is National Blueberry Cheesecake Day, National Paper Airplane Day, and in Australia, this is National Sorry Day, to remind people who descended from the British colonists about the mistreatment of the original inhabitants, the Aborigines. During the 20th century, indigenous children were forcibly removed from their families to be assimilated into white Australian culture. They are known as the Stolen Generations. On this date in 1946, a U.S. patent was filed for, of all things, a hydrogen bomb. In 2004, U.S. Army veteran Terry Nichols was found guilty of 161 murder charges for helping carry out the Oklahoma City bombing. In 2012, Pope Benedict's butler was arrested for leaking confidential documents that portrayed the Vatican as a hotbed of corruption, jealousy, intrigue, and underhanded factional fighting. And on this date one year ago today, Twitter began adding warning labels to point out inaccuracies in Donald Trump's tweets. Florida's Department of Health reported 1,874 new cases of COVID-19 Tuesday and 81 more fatalities. Our statewide death toll has reached 37,316. More than 8 million Floridians are now completely vaccinated against the virus. 2 million more are waiting for their second jab. Royal Caribbean receives permission from the CDC to conduct simulated cruises with volunteer passengers to test its COVID-19 protocols. It will happen in July on Freedom of the Seas, sailing from Port Miami. The company will require all passengers 16 and older to provide proof of vaccination when they board. Now, this is huge for the cruise industry, which has been unable to operate in the U.S. since March of last year. 
Employees at SeaWorld Orlando who've been vaccinated for coronavirus can ditch the mask at work. SeaWorld is the first major Orlando attraction to relax the rules for the staff. Spectrum News 13 obtained an employee email that says workers who provide proof of vaccination will be able to ditch the mask and they'll have stickers on their name tags to alert the public that they've been vaccinated. Visitors can now remove their masks outdoors at Disney, Universal and SeaWorld, but the theme parks still require them when you're in line for a ride or in indoor areas like restaurants. Now that we appear to be over the worst of the COVID crisis, people are trying to get back to some semblance of normality, and the folks at Florida Tax Watch are trying to figure out the lessons learned and where we go from here. They've published a series of commentaries called Beyond the Pandemic. Tax Watch director Dominic Calabro says the first paper in their COVID legacy series deals with long-term challenges and changes for the healthcare industry in Florida. Florida Tax Watch wants to look at what are the things that are going to change on a more permanent basis for healthcare. Uh, in, in other areas of our of our life in Florida, so that's why we're having this installment of uh, um, you know beyond the pandemic uh, legacy series. But this first one really looks at a couple of issues. So many people postponed um, the uh, elective and and that absolutely life threatening surgeries because of COVID nineteen. It's an estimated cost of ninety eight billion dollars, um, resulting from nearly uh, thirty two thousand excess deaths. In less than a year, and a 12, almost 13% increase in reports of anxiety and depression since April of 2020. So, you know, there's a lot of psychological trauma from social isolation that has given way to growing rates of serious behavioral health issues. And uh, currently, Florida's uh, the eighth highest among our 50 states for the average rate of anxiety and depression. And hell, they live here in the Sunshine State. There shouldn't be a reason to be depressed. You know, so obviously there's things that we've got to be looking for and the delay of that uh, mental health care and also elective surgeries. But one of the things that's really been helpful, and I'm glad Tax Watch, glad to say the Tax Watch was um, really a leading advocate and uh, continues to be for telehealth. Telehealth has proved its weight in gold, okay, um, that has been able to reach out to, to, to people who can get uh, some critical care, particularly in isolated locations. And heck, that's why we had a lot of isolated uh, residents and, and elders and seniors and families. So telehealth, the Tax Watch helped the legislature pass in 2014. They've made a couple of revisions since. But I think it's got to be an even more um, incorporated to the daily health care of everybody. It's going to save money. It's going to provide improved access. Hopefully, if it's done right, um, it'll also improve outcomes. So these are some of the changes that you're, you're seeing. Um, we're probably going to look at uh, more and more uh, community-based care. Um, and since we're seeing people that are working remotely, they're going to try to receive more and more of their health care uh, remotely in convenient locations with high-quality care, particularly another reason why we need to have a very strong 5G network, fiber network, particularly in the rural areas that may not have such kind of uh, uh, infrastructure so that we can get the kind of clarity in um, the home visits that the doctor and the health professionals can assess someone's care um, as uh, virtually as possible. I got to tell you, from a personal standpoint, Dominic, I'm 100% with you on the telehealth. I had a problem. I, you know, it was a routine thing, but it would have cost all kinds of money to go out. Nineteen dollars is what it cost me to do a telehealth visit. Nineteen dollars. 
to resolve the problem. Grand slam. And I was astounded, absolutely astounded. I mean, I'd heard of telehealth for years, but thought, ah, you know, maybe it's one of those trendy things. But it really does work, and it saves a ton of money. Well, you know, in fact, we were surprised that in 2014 that we were we were expecting to get a lot of resistance from from the traditional healthcare providers, okay, particularly Florida Medical Association and, and others. But to their credit, they saw the writing on the wall and they said, "Look, Florida was a laggard at that time, but now we're becoming more and more of a leader." And I think uh, Governor Sanchez and, and the legislative leadership are beginning to see that uh, and see how that can be incorporated in a very, very cost-effective, impactful, relevant, uh, an appropriate way for the Sunshine State and our, and our uh, you know, 22 million residents, and uh, not to mention our over 100 million, hope to get back to over 100 million uh, tourists. So, yeah, we think Florida Tax Watch is a strong proponent of telehealth. Make sure it's done properly. Make sure it's done wisely uh, and safely. But also, uh, there ought to be some cost savings associated with it, as you experience yourself. So these are some of the things we see on the horizon, and I think you'll see more and more of this kind of post-pandemic assessment. You'll be getting more of that from Florida Tax Watch, and uh, we're just happy to provide that uh, value add to the taxpayers and residents and leaders of Florida. Now, your commentary also looks at how Florida's aging population is going to play into this whole future of healthcare thing. And uh, it looks like we're going from about one in four people or and one in five people now being over the age of 65. And within a few years, it's going to be one in four. How is that going to create challenges for the state of Florida? Well, again, it, it, August, really all the more for, for telehealth. It's really uh, ironic. One of the first Florida tax reports back when we were called, you may remember. The Citizens Council for Budget Research. Research. Yes. Right. One of the first reports I did, it was like in, I think, September of 1980. It was called the graying of Florida, and it looked at uh, how our population was aging and how we need to look at alternatives to uh, costly hospitalization and sometimes long-term care, alternatives like community care for the elderly, adult family living facilities, et cetera, et cetera. So a continuum of care. There's always going to be a need for acute care and uh, some intense nursing care, absolutely. We probably don't have enough beds today for that, but we're going to see more and more of the challenges that – Aging in place will provide opportunities and challenges. And Florida is really at the, as Florida goes, so will the nation 20 years hence. Kind of feels like we're being the lab rats in this experiment. Well, you know, it's, it's, it, there's, there's a, a, a benefit and a, and a cost when you're a pilgrim. Pilgrims are the ones that get all the arrows in their backsides. <laughs> but, but fortunately, <laughs> as long as you follow good principles and good evidence, and we try to follow at Florida Tax Watch, we're going to have more successes than failings. We're going to be able to be a leader in health care, especially for health care for the elderly and those uh, aging in place. And what's next on your uh, look on the pandemic uh, future? Is, that, is volume number two of this uh, series in the works already? Well, we're, we're looking at several. One, obviously, is uh, uh, capital investment is going to be very, very important because everyone's going to try to grab as much capital as possible. Uh, resetting the, the whole thing, particularly our hospitality sector, international travel. We're really concerned about our ports, airports, seaports, the uh, logistics of all of those so that trade can be moving forward. Um, but again, it's really, we have the problems in Florida of growth. You know, it's the good news, the bad news, and that's uh, the problem of success. So we're growing uh, far too rapidly given the current infrastructure, let alone what will be the, the needed infrastructure, you know, 10, 20 years from now. So 
we want to make sure. That's why we were so concerned about the uh, the M cores. We said, look, there's so many other areas of the state that have absolute unmet needs today and in the near term. Let's let's not forget that before we become so futuristic and build roads that we may need 40 to 50 years from now. We've got needs that were far behind, particularly in Central Florida, Southeast Florida, and in many cases Southwest Florida. The infrastructure is just not there to meet our current demands. You go down to Miami, Miami Beach, Brooklyn Avenue. It's we're going to face some real cha- real challenges. Not to mention the natural things that are occurring with uh, sea level rise. So I think our leaders, state leaders, are on it. Unfortunately, the longer we wait to solve those problems, generally the more costly they will become. This may be a bit off topic, but after what you just said, do you think it's time that the state really gets serious about growth management again, rather than just saying, come on down? Yeah, no, it's it's not wise to just have a nilly, willy-nilly growth. I mean, part of it, the past is a little too bureaucratic. I think there's a happy medium, and that is thoughtful planning, thoughtful uh, integration to make sure you, you know, there really was a basic sound idea of concurrency, that you concurrently have either the infrastructure in place before people move, expand here, or you have the revenue to build uh, the 5G and maybe the next generation of uh, telecommunications, the, um, the potable water, the roads, the bridges, the, you know, all the appropriate infrastructure that will be needed. It makes sense. And, uh, and so there's got to be a better way of doing it that's less bureaucratic, uh, more responsive, but at the same time, thoughtful, because you, you don't want to jam everybody in place, and then you go, like, what the hell are you going to do? What we've learned is that people are so much more mobile and will act on it in a heartbeat. They wouldn't have done that 30, 40 years ago. They will do it today. If they find that the location in different parts of uh, Florida are just stifling and they have little or no other option, they're going to find other options. It's really that simple. So we have to anticipate that, not only plan for it, but begin to really execute and uh, collaborate together. Part of it is um, integrating uh, a thoughtful approach to growth to make sure we have the infrastructure either in place or concurrently uh, built so that we make uh, living floor livable as well as environmentally safe and friendly. That's Dominic Calabro, president and CEO of Florida Tax Watch. You can find the COVID legacy report and a whole lot more at floridataxwatch.org. Rebuilding the tourism trade in the wake of the COVID crisis is job one at Visit Florida, the state's official tourism marketing agency. The chief economist at EDR, the Legislative Office of Economic and Demographic Research, has predicted it will take three more years to get back to normal. Visit Florida Director Dana Young says they're going to beat that, thanks in part to a record amount of money in the new state budget. Amy Baker of EDR has projected that the Florida tourism uh, sector will not make a full recovery until 2024. And I just want to tell you that uh, our uh, goal is to beat that. And we believe that the numbers that we're starting to see and the data that we're seeing and the trends that we're seeing uh, could have uh, solidly on track. Uh, with regard to our budget, I'm sure you uh, know that we were appropriated $75 million from the state legislature. Uh, the budget that you'll be seeing at the board meeting uh, is a $50 million budget at this time because the additional $25 million uh, was uh, appropriated as, quote, contingent on the state receiving the funds from the federal government. So once those funds are received and we are uh, uh, notified by the state that we are receiving them, then we will add those funds into the budget. 
combined with our $5 million EDA grant, our total budget is $80 million, which is the highest we have ever had. And frankly, this is just great news and great timing uh, as we remain 100% focused on tourism's recovery. Uh, and I can assure you that with the team that we have and the uh, laser focus on our mission, uh, this money will go a long way. Uh, this September, we're excited to finally be hosting the Governor's Conference on Tourism. Uh, the 2021 Florida Governor's Conference will take place at the Diplomat Beach Resort in Hollywood. Uh, meetings and events, as you all well know, are vital to our tourism economy, and we need to do our part uh, to aid in the recovery of this sector. Uh, we've got to get the meetings and conventions business back on track uh, for our state economy to fully recover. Uh, in closing, I just want to thank you all for your hard work, your support, uh, and everything that you've done to, to power tourism forward and position Florida as a role model in this recovery. We are beating every metric out there. We are leading the nation, and we are going to continue our aggressive and unapologetic uh, marketing strategy to make sure that Florida not only regains its market share, but builds its market share, both domestic and international, uh, going forward. Tourism was down by 5.3% during the first quarter of the year compared to the same three months of last year, but Young says that's actually a sign of better days ahead. Back in 1995, a sociologist by the name of James Lowen published a book called Lies My Teacher Told Me, Everything Your American History Textbook Got Wrong. His basic premise is that history is taught in a way that glosses over the bad parts of what Americans have done, and that U.S. history is not meant to teach us about what really happened, but to instill in kids the idea that America is always the good guy. That's why we were taught about America's manifest destiny, not genocide of Native Americans. That's how our constant invasions of Central America were recast as efforts to protect and stabilize the region, rather than invading sovereign nations to protect corporate profits and American financial interests. I mention this book because the Florida Board of Education meets next month to consider adopting an official policy to ensure the continued whitewashing of our history. That policy is the conservative backlash to what's known as critical race theory, an academic concept that's more than 40 years old. The basic idea is that racism is a societal construct embedded in our legal systems and policies. The theory says racism is part of everyday life, so people who don't intend to be racist can nevertheless be making choices that fuel racism. And Governor Ron DeSantis says there is no way in hell he'll allow that to be taught in Florida schools. So the issue with um, uh, critical race theory, uh, one, we're going to be bringing that in front of the uh, State Board of Education. We're not putting any tax dollars uh, to allow uh, critical race theory. And understand, there's a movement now in some of the elite corporate outlets to gaslight people about what critical race theory is. I saw one thing saying Texas has a bill. They don't want uh, people to learn about slavery. And so that's nonsense. You teach the facts. You teach everything that's happened. But what critical race theory is, is basically race essentialism. It teaches people to view that as the most important characteristic. And obviously, if you're certain races, Caucasian, whatnot, they view that in a negative fashion. That is not something that's appropriate for schools. It's based on historical falsehoods. For example, some of these folks have tried to say the American Revolution was fought um, because they wanted to preserve slavery. Really? In Lexington and Concord? Is that what they were fighting about? I mean, just open up a history book, read the pamphlets, read what they were doing at the time. And so, um, so yeah, it doesn't have a place. The Board of Education is going to act, I think, and I think it's coming up in like a week or two. Uh, but ultimately, look, 
It's going to be up to the legislature and, and me if you continue to have uh, some of this um, some of this movement in spite of the state policy. I mean, it really should have funding um, consequences uh, th that flow from it. Look, have we done so well on the basics that we go off into these political and ideological tangents in our schools? They're not supposed to be indoctrinating kids with faddish ideologies. They're supposed to be teaching the basics and let them make sense of this for themselves. DeSantis is not the only conservative trying to keep critical race theory out of schools. It's happening in red states all over the country, including Texas. And frankly, the Lone Star State is a pretty good example of what critical race theory is all about. We all learned in school how Texans rebelled against Mexico and declared their independence because they wanted freedom. What they didn't teach us was that the rebellion was led and financed by wealthy landowners who didn't want to give up their slaves after Mexico decided to outlaw slavery. What the governor and the state education commissioner want to do is continue that tradition of whitewashing the dark side of American history. And honestly, that's not education. It's propaganda. I think our kids deserve better. Your calendar of events begins with the Florida Citrus Commission. They're meeting at 9 in Bartow to work on their budget. The Florida Chamber of Commerce holds a day-long Prosperity and Economic Opportunity Solution Summit that starts at 9 in Sarasota. Speakers include Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas and the directors of the Department of Economic Opportunity and Enterprise Florida. The Florida Commission on Offender Review meets at 9. The Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets at 9.30. Trustees of Valencia College meet at 9.30 in Orlando. Trustees at the College of the Florida Keys hold a budget workshop at 1, followed by a board meeting at 2. Trustees of South Florida State College meet at 1 in Avon Park. The College of Central Florida Trustees meet at 3 in Ocala. The Hillsborough Community College Board of Trustees meets at 4 in Tampa. And the Florida Board of Opticianry meets online at 5.30. Finally today, police have arrested a Florida man accused of harassing people and dumping a bag of shit on the grounds of a synagogue. 39-year-old Jeffrey Carl Fleming is charged with felony stalking with a hate crime enhancement and littering human waste. Hollandale Beach police say Fleming was caught on cell phone video yelling obscenities at a rabbi outside the Shabbat of South Broward and that he returned to the building later in the day and emptied a bag of feces onto the property while continuing his anti-Semitic rant. Fleming's also accused of spitting on a menorah near the synagogue. A similar incident happened outside the building earlier this month when a man reported someone threw rocks at him as he left the synagogue. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.